The book of Genesis is complicated. It's kind of Unitarian Universalist in a way, in that God shows up in very different ways to different people. Sometimes as a thundering voice from the sky, sometimes as a burning bush, sometimes walking side by side, relaxed in the garden, sometimes in a dream of a ladder in the middle of the night. One of the more well-known stories is of the prophet Elijah sitting in a cave. He was told to go and wait for God to speak to him, and so he sits on Mount Sinai. He listens I brought my Bible with me. And it says, All at once, as he listened, a strong wind shook the mountain and shattered the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. Next, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. For some reason at this point, Elijah is still on the mountain. Finally, there was a gentle breeze, and he went and listened to the Lord. The gentle breeze also translates as a soft whisper or hardly a sound. It is sometimes translated as a still, small voice. Perhaps it's because my spiritual practice of music began by playing rock drum set that silence is not really a part of my spiritual practice at all. We have several minutes of silence at the beginning of all of our house meetings in the UU co-op house where I live, and it doesn't come easy to me. Don't tell my housemates, though. For me, I have more often heard the voice of the Spirit in the song, in a favorite melody or a particularly groovy rhythm. My experience is that the voice comes more clearly as a tenor singing along with guitar than in stillness, or even more likely in earthquake or the sound of thunder and rain, perhaps. My youth group mentor at the UU church that I grew up with spoke of this voice. Speaking of meditation, he said, you know, it's funny that if listening silently, if meditating all day long would help you hear that voice inside you, if that voice would give you the winning lottery numbers, everybody would be meditating all day long. He said, but it can't do that. It can't. All it can do is give you eternal peace and happiness for the rest of your life, so nobody tries. Fair enough. Before I told you a story called Miriam and the Tambourine, let me share another called Matt and the Maraca. That was perhaps more my style. I'm Matt, and, well, the Maraca, we'll get to that part. Just about 10 years ago, I spent a semester studying music in Cuba. In particular, I was studying the religious music of Santeria, which is a religion steeped in West African polytheistic tradition with a little bit of Catholicism thrown in there as well. The services, well, they're not really like we do here on Sunday morning in New England. There's drumming from beginning to end for hours and hours on end while people sing out to the different gods and goddesses, the Orishas. More often than not, there's a little bit of rum being passed around, and people are singing and dancing for hours. At one service I was at that has stuck with me, though, I attended with a group of drummers who were providing the music, And they were a few people short. A couple of guys were out with the cold or something. 
So a little ways into the service, the lead drummer pointed at me, and he pointed at a maraca on the floor, and he pointed back at me. Well, these rhythms are incredibly complicated. In three months of studying, I just touched the surface of what they were doing. And so I picked up the maraca, and luckily the maraca part was the only rhythm of anything that they were doing that I understood at all. And so in utter terror, I picked it up and I began to to play with every ounce of energy I could just to not lose the beat. And as I focused so carefully on that maraca part, people sang louder and the drumming got louder, and it wasn't long before I started to feel like I might be all right. Maybe you've had this experience where you've stepped into something and you realize that you are in way over your head. But then, if you're like me, after a few minutes, you start to think, oh no, I got this. Maybe if you're like me, you start to think, actually, I'm just the person for this job. Thank goodness that they had me here. And if you're like me, that moment is usually the moment that everything falls apart. That was the case here. Just as I had that fleeting feeling of confidence, the person next to me went into convulsions as they began to be possessed by one of the Orishas of the tradition. Traditionally, when someone is being possessed, it's the maraca player that comes up and just kind of hammers that rhythm and that spirit right into their body, even as they try to fight it off because it's not a particularly comfortable thing, or at least it doesn't look like it. I, with all of my might, tried not to lose that simple maraca rhythm. And we made it through. The person came onto the other side, and they danced with us, and they counseled us, this spirit that had entered the room among us. Even in my fear and confusion, I was in awe that the people gathered together in this room had called a piece of divinity to be down here with us, to speak and dance with us. Here in this room, in this broken world, a piece of the divine took our hands to worship. We sometimes make a distinction and say that the opposite of silence is music. But it's a false distinction, I think. There is music and silence at one end of the spectrum, and the opposite of both of them is noise. And we have a lot of noise in our lives sometimes. Is that true? There is so much noise and so little music it can feel like Those moments where we enter into intentional silence or where we find just the right melody that calls down the spirit to be among us, those points of connection are points of grace. Author Anne Lamont says, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are but does not leave us where it found us. Perhaps you have had these moments in song or in silence, moments of connection, moments of touching something larger than ourselves, moments where we not just spoke of a web of interdependence of which we are a part, but felt the whole of the web inside us and around us. Perhaps nobody understood the connections of silence and music more than the poet Rumi. 
Jaladin Rumi was a Sufi mystic and one of the most prolific and influential poets of all, in all of history. If you're like me, perhaps you picture a poet like him writing thousands of poems over the course of years, sitting endlessly at his desk in silence, trying to compose just the right wording for just the right sentence. But that's not how Rumi worked. He was just as likely to compose his poetry while dancing to music. Can you picture this madman dancing around, spinning and spinning in circles to music all around the room while his disciples look on, probably appalled, and try to scribble down the things he is yelling out to them, yelling out about silence. Keep silent, he would say. Can you picture him spinning? Because the world of silence is a vast fullness. The music would go on. He would spin and go on. Do not beat the drum of words. He might shout at them as they look on, appalled. The word is only an empty drum. I imagine the look on his disciples' faces as he spun around like a madman, screaming about love and drums and words and silence. Screaming about silence. I can imagine the look on their faces might have been a little bit like mine playing the maraca, trying to hold on to your little piece of reality while things are transformed around you. Someone once did ask Rumi the obvious question, by the way. Rumi, if you believe in all of this business about silence, why have you done nothing but talk and talk your whole life? Rumi gave the ultimate reply. He laughed, and he said, The most radiant one inside me has never said a word. His poems were designed to take us out of silence and to bring us back there. Where do you find that kind of silence in your life? Where do you find the kind of music in your life that brings you those moments of grace. These moments are not to be taken lightly. When we touch that place of connection, our hearts open to those around us. When we are connected with those among us, our hearts are open not only to the joy and love of our fellow human beings, but also to the pain, to the suffering, that we find not only in the news, but in our own lives and communities. These moments of grace, though, where a piece of divinity comes down and enters the room to dance with us, these moments of grace call us to live differently. They not only meet us where we are, but they do not leave us where they found us. Instead of adding more spiritual practice to your life, instead of working hard to be silent, to make it to one more yoga class or writing class, instead of seeking out more retreats, for this week at least, just take out some of the noise. What is the noise in your life that you could have less of? Take just some of it away. Allow some space for grace. 
Unitarian Universalists don't necessarily agree on whether there is a heaven waiting for us all in the afterlife or whether we can create a perfect world here in this lifetime. We don't have consensus on whether the divine speaks to us in caves or in drums or in scripture or in mediocre maraca playing. But Unitarian Universalists agree that there are points of grace, times that we are connected to that interdependent web within us and around us, those spaces of grace that open our hearts to both the pain and the joy in this broken and loving world around us. And when we open our hearts to that place, we are not left where we were, but transformed to a life that calls us to action, a life that calls us to act in relationship, to live as though our lives had an effect on one another because we've recognized that they do, because silence and music has touched that place of interdependence. Go with love in a hurting world. Go with stillness in a world with too much noise. And go with peace. Go with grace.